Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. Thanks for joining us. We're always happy to have you with us. I am Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. You can follow my gregarious co-hosts on Twitter, Nick and Ryan, at DCNatJack and at HalfShackCap. You can follow all the rest of us. I forgot to open up the thing with uh, everybody else's Twitter handles, but I know OPT at One Pursuit Takes, and I don't know Monty's without reading it. But you at can follow MDT the show at eight six seven five three zero nine. Exactly. That, that's actually what it is. Oh, did he change it? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Well, that's easier to remember. Yeah. I approve. Okay, and the show at Half Street High Heat, which you guys should be following already if you're listening to this podcast. How's it going, guys? How was your week? I, I, it, like, I know it's a new year, but this is just all, like, life now. There are no separate days. Yeah, it's all just one big, yeah. Yeah, because I was talking to someone about this before, like, you know, when quarantine first started, I was still, you know, basically forced to keep coaching. Not that, like, I don't like coaching, but, you know, if it was up to me, I would have erred on the side of caution, especially, like, since so much of it was unknown. But, you know, I was coaching all throughout the summer and throughout the fall, so, you know, it wasn't until, like, mid-November where I really got that, you know, cabin fever quarantine effect. Oh, so you're just getting to the beginning. Some people yeah, have so been, like, I since am, March. I am cracking right now. That's yeah. kind of how I feel. 
Yeah, throw five kids in that mix. Tell me how you hold up. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> Very good. Well, I still have to work, and real estate agents are considered essential workers for some reason. But um, so we have still been working, but it's very weird. Like it's a lot less being out with people and a lot more doing virtual stuff. And yeah, it's weird. I just keep thinking like two weeks to flatten the curve. Here we are at the following January. It seems insane. Yeah, it's because everyone's an idiot. Um, I mean, I had a fantastic week. Um, All right. Let's hear about it. Week's absolutely fantastic. Um, I finished Euphoria. Fantastic show. Highly recommend it. Definitely in my top five shows right now. Um, wow. I started The Undoing. I'm on episode two. Um, I have like five theories about who I think did the murder, and I'm pretty sure all of them will be right because, come on. Um, and also, I got my second dose of the vaccine. So oh, I'm awesome. I'm not even a one percenter. I'm like a 05 percenter because that's how elite I am. So in 10 years, when they get to 80% of the population, I'll let you guys know what's happening to me because – Y'all are never getting it. So, yeah, my life isn't going to change because um, no one else has it. So I can't really do anything. But, hey, I got both my doses. So, Well, that's fantastic. Congrats. Yeah, that's I mean, amazing. It's to, to quote the great, to quote the great Will Ferrell, I mean, I just wake up in the morning. I piss excellence, you know, like it's just it's just amazing. That's how I feel now because I got the vaccine. I got both of them. I'm going to sell my car, though, on the black market, though. It's only, it's oh, only option I've left. Yeah, your you know, card. So, I see. You get a card. Yeah, yeah, you get a vaccine. Oh, sorry, regulars. Um, yeah, you get a vaccine <laughs> card, so it has like which dose you got and when you got it, because oh, when I people see. start getting it, they're gonna let people who have that card in. So the people refuse to get it, you're gonna be left behind. And they were said, if you have that, you can go to the Super Bowl. So with my six hundred dollars, I just got in my stimmy. I'm gonna invest it because that's what LLC Twitter told me to do. I'm gonna start a business, even though I have no product, and I'm gonna turn that six hundred dollars into enough money to go to the Super Bowl because LLC Twitter told me it's possible. I like that. You guys got your stimulus payments? That's awesome. Um, I got my stimmy. Yes, I did. Stimmy. Yeah. Nice. Nice. My son got one. He's very pleased with that since he hasn't been working in quite a long time. I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's coming. I don't even know what the cutoffs are or anything. I just know I haven't got any money in my bank account, but my son got one, I don't know, like the 30th or something. That's because you haven't been in touch with LLC Twitter yet. I see. Yeah. So I'm like sitting there looking at my bank account going, what can how come I don't have a stimulus payment? So I don't know, but I didn't read the bill. So I don't know what the what the cutoffs are or if there are any or if they just screwed up and haven't given me mine. So I guess we'll find out. Yeah, probably screwed up because, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, my week was pretty good a little bit. Um, been watching a lot of hockey. Been a lot of uh, World Juniors hockey on at my house. I just cracked but open a cold one. Don't mind me. I, I actually I heard that I was like that's a that's a Christian I heard one. that it's too. A, it's a, drinking for, on the job. I forgot to mute myself, but man, it's just one of those days. Oh well, that does sound nice. I don't have any booze in here with me. I'm just sitting here with just me and Boo. my computer. Yeah, you do. <laughs> there you go. I see what you did there. Da da da. All right. Well, it uh, has. There have been some interesting things happening around baseball this week, maybe more interesting than our lives, clearly. Uh, Ryan, you want to hit us with the weekend review? Yeah, so, I mean, we got some rumors. Um, there are some news because, you know, we are 
in an unbearably slow offseason that keeps turning on. It is reported that the 2021 season will likely report on time. <laughs> the MOBPA said that they are reporting on time for spring training and they want to play 162 games. They said the owners do not have the power to shorten the season or delay without working with them. This comes after reports that the owners wanted and preferred to delay the season and play a shorter season. This won't get ugly at all. While the Major League Baseball is expecting to start on time, AA and all leagues below will not start on time. They will not be reporting until after all other levels have reported, so some minor leagues are continuing to be affected by everything going on. Some historic news, the Boston Red Sox hired Bianca Smith, who will coach in the minor league system. She's the first ever black woman to coach in professional, professional baseball. Sandra Scully, the wife of legendary Dodgers announcer Vin Scully, sadly passed away at the age of 76. Phil Hughes officially announced his retirement two years after he last pitched. I thought he retired about 20 years ago. Uh, moving on to some player news. Tomoyuki Sugano is expected to make his decision this week on if he's going to play in the MLB or if he's going to stay in Japan. The phenom pitcher as reported that the United States surges in COVID cases have him concerned about coming to play here, and he may stay and wait to come here. Justin Turner is seeking a four-year contract. The Dodgers do not want to go over two years. Dodgers have turned attention to DJ LeMayu at this time upon hearing that news about Justin Turner wanting four years. The Yankees and Dodgers are the two known teams at the moment to be in on DJ LeMayu. After being reported the Phillies made an offer, sources confirmed that the Phillies did not indeed make an offer to Real Muto. Real Muto at this moment does not have any offers. The Mets and Blue Jays are reportedly in a serious bidding war for George Springer. It's confirmed that the Blue Jays have made an offer of at least five years and well over $100 million. The Blue Jays had Liam Hendricks visit their stadium and they had long extensive talks. The Dodgers also expect to meet with Liam Hendricks this week. Yasiel Puig is drawing interest from the Red Sox, Yankees, Astros, and Marlins. Adam Dudal Duvall is also drawing interest from the Marlins. They've had serious conversations of note. Corey Kluber is pitching this week, and two known teams have confirmed that they'll be there, and they are the Washington Nationals and the Boston Red Sox. The one signing this week, the Tigers made a move. They signed outfielder Robbie Grossman to a two-year, $10 million contract. This has been your Week in Review, brought to you in part by your local neighborhood chilies. This week's small business shout-out is to Bug Bugsy's Pizza Bar and Restaurant in Old Town, Alexandria, right down near the water. Bugsy's has fantastic pizza, and they used to have a great salad bar, but that's closed right now. And they may have to sell their second floor, unfortunately. They are doing outdoor seating, and they're also on Grubhub. So keep supporting your local businesses and give Bugsy's a try when you want some great pizza. This has been your Week in Review. All right, so lots of rumors, not a lot of actual action, but you know we're we're slowly we're slowly in there. You know, two of the top twenty-five free agents have signed, and we're forty days away from pitchers and catchers. It's <laughs> crazy. Well, let's move on to our Nats Fat segment because we have a couple of interesting Nats rumors to discuss. Um, Wilson Contreras is my favorite of all the rumors that are going on right now with the Nats. What are your thoughts, boys? Yeah, so I forgot who reported this, but after the Cubs traded you Darvish. Um, they wanted to continue to tear down the roster and shed payroll because, you know, they're not rich enough. Um, and the Nats were among the list of teams to check in on Wilson Contreras. I think it would be absolutely fantastic if they could get him. I don't think this happens at all. I don't think he gets traded, but he kind of checks off two boxes. He's a starting catcher. He can play first base if need be. 
And he's also a pretty good bat to put in the middle of the lineup. He's not that expensive either. I just don't think the Cubs move him. Yeah, it's just, you know, it remains to be seen just how far the Cubs are going to go. Yeah, like you, Darvish was just one piece, and Chris Bryant has been rumored for years now. Um, but you, they both have hefty contracts. Wilson Contreras, like Ryan just said, is very affordable, especially for the production you're getting from that catcher. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to move him unless you are getting that value in return. And right now, I don't think anyone's going to give them their asking price um, just because they just saw them basically give away you Darvish. So they don't have a lot of leverage right now, despite the fact that Wilson Contreras is, you know, we'll get to it here in a little bit, but a top four catcher in baseball. Um, so it just remains to be seen, but I agree with Ryan. I don't see it happening. However, if the Cubs did decide to tear it down, I would very much want the Nats to be involved. I know there's the uh, argument, like if a guy's a free agent versus, I, I think I attribute it to the um, Nolan Arenado, Anthony Rendon situation. It's like, yeah, you could trade for Arenado, but then people love saying, well, why didn't you just sign Rendon? You could trade for Contreras, but why wouldn't you just sign uh, JT Real Muto? It's very slimmer, but the fact of the matter is Contreras is cheaper. So, you Like know, a lot cheaper. Yeah, a lot cheaper. So it, it's better, even though you are giving up prospects and maybe even someone MLB level in return for Wilson Contreras, it, it's worth it because you just look at the Nats payroll this year. In theory, this is one of, if not the last prime year of their window. So, you know, it, it's a move you make if the Cubs do indeed so. Yeah. Well, I saw Bob Nightingale, I think it was five or six days ago, um, had said that the Cubs are, quote, extensively shopping Wilson Contreras. So I don't know, you know, obviously he's got a million sources, but extensively shopping sounds like they're pretty serious about it. Um, I would love, love, love this move for the Nats. I, I doubt it will happen, but I would, this would be to me just an absolute slam dunk. I know you'd have to give up some stuff in a trade, but he's projected to only earn between five and 7.4 million via arbitration next season mm -hmm. and has another year of arbitration eligibility after that. So, I mean, that kind of control and that kind of price for that kind of production, I just think if, if it can be done, it is an absolute no brainer. I don't even think you would need to give up key boom. I don't think so either. I feel like you could, you I could don't, maybe I don't do... have, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not well-versed enough in the Nats prospects to like give you an offer off the top of my head, but one, you know, people are well aware that what the Cubs are trying to do. So like I said, they have no leverage and two, you know, Rizzo has been inclined to make these types of deals. He, yeah. This is the kind of inclined, deal that he loves, right? He's been inclined to make these deals for guys that whose production outperforms the, their, you know, the their dollars price. on the, mm -hmm. on the contract, you know, and you know, we have our opinions on Adam Eaton, but that trade was up Rizzo's alley, you know, yep. very cheap, controllable. Controllable. He loves cheap and controllable. Right. He did that it with is... Josh Bell. Josh Bell has a bargain contract for the next two years and yep. he, he didn't really give up anything for him. So, you know, this fits that Rizzo mold. So I don't even think you need to give up Keeboom. So if he was still in your plans, you still have him. Or if you want to make even another move, you still have him to, you know, include in negotiations with someone else to fill a need. Yeah, I would love this move. I hope that Mike Rizzo is working on it right now. 
We can hope so. I want that one to be true. Okay, another one is Nats are rumored to have had discussions with Alex Colomay. Yeah, Mark Fison reported that the Nats were among the teams who had checked in on him. Um, they do have connections with him. Their new pitching coach was his coach, and the other teams that had, I can't remember names off the top of my head, but there's two other teams who had coach ties to him. They have checked in on him. Kalme is a very, very good closer. Um, yeah. He had a 0.81 ERA this year, and then he also had a 0.9 whip. 2019, he had a whip of one with an ERA of 2.8. He's consistently having... 30 saves in 2019. 30. Yes. He's consistently having a just south ERA three. The Nationals do need a back end of the bullpen, but I don't think he makes sense. Um, Probably the Nats, too expensive. That's the thing. Like the Nats have way too many holes in the position field that they have to fill first, that they shouldn't be looking to sign a reliever of that. Like it would be great to have him going into the season with a fantastic closer, but the money he's going to want at least 10 to 12 million. I don't, I don't have sense. his, uh, is it 10 to 12? I was going to say, what is his projected? I don't have it in front he's of me. A, he's, uh, I, would, I think it was like nine to 12. The one caveat I would add to that is if it's Brad Hand, then you pay up. Because you need a lefty. He's a lefty, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was actually just about to bring up Brad Hand. He is my – I would rather they go after him. I can't believe he's still kicking around out there and hasn't signed anywhere yet. Yeah, that, that one doesn't make much sense to me because we saw some other guys. Granted, it was they're both from the Braves, but they got paid. And, you know, I. but I guess if you go off uh, recent history, that top guy has to sign. So he can kind of set the market for the rest. So in this case, maybe Liam Hendricks has to sign before Brad Hand signs. And uh, then maybe Hendricks, Brad Hand before Colome. Right, exactly. You know, that's just kind of how these things work. Um, and a lot of these guys have the same agents or um, the same firm representing them or, or agency representing them, um, however it works out. So that might be why, but... Uh, Ryan tweeted, you know, yesterday, the day before, two of the top 25 free agents have signed so far, only two, and we're, what, like 42, so 42 days away from spring training? So, you oh, know, that's crazy, we're, isn't we're it? getting down to it where you're going to see a lot of guys just take deals. We, we saw it, what, two years ago, three years ago, whenever it was, the Bryce free agency year. Obviously, yep. you know, Bryce signed in February and Machado signed late January. Um, but you saw all those mid-tier guys just late January, early February, just start taking deals because they need to, you know, situation, situate themselves. Right. And with all the Got COVID families to move and, right, especially and with all year. the COVID protocols, you're going to have to be situated even earlier. So that way you can, you know, like you said, have the family settled, but also, you know, do what you need to do to quarantine, to pass all the tests and, and whatnot. So, you know, that the time is ticking and, you know, I just hope the Nats are ready to just find some bargains, hopefully, but make the moves on the guys they've been looking for all along. Um, but it does, you know, whether it's column A, hand or someone else, it, I do like the Nats checking on, on bullpen guys because yeah. even though they spent, they need it. even though they spent quote unquote big on the bullpen last year, it's it's not good enough, and I think they know that, so I'm glad they're at least kicking the tires. Well, they just need in the next 40 days to bring me Wilson Contreras, Brad Hand, and George Springer, and then we're set. Oh, is that it? That's it, just that. Okay, all right, I'll let I'll, them know. I'll be, I'll be happy. Somebody, somebody needs, I'll call Rizzo and let him know. Yeah. 
what he needs to do to take care of things. All right. So that is it for Nat's bat. Um, Nick, you have uh, to tell us about our fabulous sponsor, Manscaped. Absolutely. I'm more than happy to. Support for Half Street High Heat is brought to you by Manscaped, who, as we know by now, is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and I'm going back to the well. I'm talking about the Lawnmower 3.0 because I can't stop talking about it. Used it today, actually. You know, um, it's with Manscaped, right? A little, little quick story time. I jumped on board with the Manscaped 2.0, and I thought it was great. But Manscaped doesn't stop there. They uh, one-up themselves. People say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's not Manscaped's like, motto. Why can't the best be better? And that's what Manscaped did with Lawnmower 3.0. Same details you love about the Manscaped or the, the Lawnmower 2.0, the Lawnmower OG. But this has absolutely redesigned the electric trimmer. It's quiet. It has a charging stand. Uh, it has a cutting-edge ceramic blade. It has the flashlight, which is just, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, you get a more precise cut, you know, little, little cleanup from bush to tush. It's great. I can't express how happy I am with the Manscaped product and everything they offer. Just top-notch, top-to-bottom, bush to tush. Great. Hashtag High Heat's got you covered. You want on on you want in on this? We're gonna we're gonna hook you up. Use promo code HSHH20, HSHH20 for twenty percent off and free shipping on your order. Great great stuff. If you don't need the lawnmower 3.0, I mean, teach his own. But please go check out their website. They have a ton of great stuff that you can absolutely benefit from. Even if you don't think you need it, trust me. Just try something out, and I guarantee you it's going to elevate your life. Treat yourself. HSHH20 on Manscaped today. And speaking of Manscaped, as always, it is time for the Manscaped Poll of the Week. We are continuing our top four at each position. This week, we have the top four catchers and the man that's favorite position of all time, the top four D. H's. I completely forgot we were doing this until Nick said top four catcher. I muted myself very quickly and I assembled my <laughs> list because I am prepared. Nice. Um, so I respect it. I'm going to pull up my random list, random.org. I'm going to type all three of our names in because I was also behind on this, you know. Just not the greatest, not not great form for me. Oh. Well, we're also recording on a Tuesday. This this messes with our routine. Yeah, exactly. yeah we're all not going up. Yes, so Sunday was the football game, of course, so that was a no-go for recording, and then Monday was scheduling conflict, so here we are on a Tuesday. Yes, yeah, so... All out of sorts. Going first, we have young Nick, and then right, second right, right. will be myself, and then Amanda will bring us home for catchers, and then we'll do reverse order for DH, so Amanda will go first on DH, I'll be second, and Nick will be third. Nick, get us started. I like it. All right, so catcher is definitely top-heavy. We've mentioned it plenty of times before. Um, I mean, you can interchange the top and maybe two through four a little bit, but I think the general consensus is pretty uh, clear across the board. Number four, I have Mitch Garver. You can put in Gary Sanchez. You can put in Will Smith. Um, 
It's really just what you like about a certain catcher. For Mitch Garver, he has some pop. He plays a good defense. He's kind of been in a platoon role um, so far, but I think that's kind of where catchers are trending towards nowadays, where they only catch 100 to 110 games, um, if that. Certainly, that's what the Nats seem to be doing, and I think they're not alone in that thought process. Um, But Mitch Garver has a lot of potential waves, you know, as you see with a lot of catchers, some good, some bad. Um, a high strikeout percentage, but again, he hasn't popped, hits for a decent average, um, and plays a good uh, defense behind the plate. So I have him at number four with the up-and-coming Twins team, see if they can ever get over the hump. Number three, I do have Wilson Contreras. Um, Again, he's been someone with waves. His walk percentage isn't that great, and his strikeout percentage is too much. I think it's like 23%. Um, but you can't deny the potential that's there and just the skill and talent that's there. Plays a great defense, hits for a lot of power. Um, I think two years ago, people were calling for like him to be the next MVP on the Cubs, and he never quite got there. But he don't make mo- no mistake about it. He is an instrumental part of that lineup success when they are rolling. Um, he is definitely a top three catcher. It's just a matter of you know, where you value him and his skill set above others if you prefer offense or defense. But no matter how you shake it, Wilson Contreras is up there. Number two, I have Yasmani Grandal. He's a little bit older, but he still performs at a high level. And you can make the the case that he's the best defensive catcher in baseball, even though he is a little bit older. Um, Doesn't have quite the offensive prowess that he once did, but still is serviceable and honestly uh, well above average in terms of offensive production for catchers. You saw the White Sox shell out for him, even though they had someone like James McCann, who they just let go. That's because, yeah, Smonty Grandall is that good. And if you value catchers in terms of what they bring to a young pitching staff, there might not be anyone better than Yasmani Grandall um, at this point. So, Yasmani Grandal, number two, and number one, the obvious choice is JT Real Muto. You know, when in a contract year, similar to what we see when players go through arbitration, you're only going to see a bunch of negatives as to why, you know, someone should sign them or shouldn't sign them. That's when they always come out because people are trying to get deals. They're trying to get bargains. But you wouldn't do that if he wasn't worth, you know, having on your team and everyone knows JT Romuto would be the best catcher on their team. If he signed with them right now, that's just a fact. Yeah. He's 30. Yeah. He's going to transition to first base later in his career. What catcher doesn't though? Yachty. I mean, yeah, but Yachty's one in a million, even Buster Posey who won an MVP is playing first base now in his career. Like you can't penalize catchers for not being able to catch forever. Just doesn't make any sense. So JT Romuto is by far and away the best catcher in baseball. He would be a welcome addition on any team, especially the Nats in the black hole. You know, we've seen the catcher spot B in this lineup for years and years and years. And he's a top player in baseball if you factor in defense and value to a staff in everything. JT Romuto, best catcher in baseball. JT Romuto, best catcher in baseball. And he'll be a national. Yeah, so we have a different number four, same top three. Um, 
So my number four for the top four catchers, I have Christian Vasquez at number four. I like that. Yeah, I forgot to he mention was him. A rotation guy for the first several years of his career. Then 2019, the Red Sox finally let him go. Um, he caught 138 games and he shined. He had 276 and he had an OPS of 800, which for a catcher is extremely rare. Catcher OPS is by far the lowest of all positions. It's in the 600. So the fact that his OPS was in 800 is stupid. He then followed it up again in 2020. His on base was almost 350 and his OPS again was 800. So he can hit and he's also great defensively. He was primarily used at the beginning of his career for his defense and then they just let him go. So he brought together all sides of it. Um, the only reason why he's not higher on the list is just because it's the three and then everyone else, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, so like Brian, I said, can I interrupt you really quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. make a, a great point. Mm -hmm. So one of the oh, cons for JT Real Muto is that his OPS is like a career OPS is his, uh, sorry, I can't talk. His career OPS is only like 800 or I don't have the exact number in front of me, but Ryan makes a great point. The average OPS for catcher is 600. So you can't look at it as, oh, he only has an OPS of Right, you can't compare it to all the other positions. Right. That's you not, have yeah. to look and at the, the average. Game. You have to look at the average game. for all positions is 710. Right. So even if he's he's better than an average MLB player. So you you can't look at oh 800 versus Juan Soto's 1300. You can't do that. You have to look at the net gain and his net gain is 200 points above, you know, the next closest guy on average right now or like available option to the Nats or any other team. If you got presented the option, would you rather the guy you have or this guy we can sign that is going to provide 200 points more in OPS? What are you going to do? That's all I have to say. Ryan, you can continue. <laughs> yeah, so number three, I got Wilson Contreras. Um, again, not really much else to say about him. He's on the Cubs. So I feel like a lot of people automatically think he's overrated, but his numbers are very consistent across the board. So he's number three. Future Nat. Future Nat. A uh, lot of Future Nats on this list, honestly. And then number <laughs> two is kind of like the standard for catching. No one really talks about him, but his numbers are fantastic. And that is Yas Money Grandal. And then number one is Jacob Tyler Real Muto. Again. Is that his Jim name? I didn't even know his name. I just Jimothy Timothy. Jimothy Timothy. Um, yeah, so Jacob Tyler Real Muto. Again, he had 840 OPS this year. Average for all positions is 710. Catchers is by far the lowest out of all of them. And then he had an 820 OPS, 825 before that. He's a two-time All-Star, a two-time Silver Slugger, and the Gold Glove winner. He has the fastest pop time in the league. He's the hardest to run on, and he's also fast on the bases when he's running. Um, there is a graph of all the catchers' ratings, just basically like putting them on a graph for the past three years. There's a whole bunch of catchers in the middle. Kurt Suzuki's all the way on the left, which means terrible. And then there's one guy who's at the very, very top right corner, which means he's the best at hitting, he's the best at defense, and best at throwing people out. It's JT Romuto. There's no one else close to him. Um, by far and away, the best catcher in baseball, which is why he's number one. And it's really not close either. Philly's yeah. had him hitting fourth, too, for what it's worth. Yeah. He can bat one through seven, honestly. Yeah, well, there's no argument about number one. I have my number four as Salvador Perez. So as I was looking at numbers to get ready for this, he hit 333 with 11 home runs last year, which 
Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty obviously. sure he won Comeback Player of the Year. Yeah, short season, 2020 weird, blah, blah, all of that caveat. And I'm sure he's due for a regression. There's no way he's going to do that again next year. But I went and looked at his career number. You know what his career OPS is? Probably about we were just talking about not 749, so not quite at 800. Least 12. For a catcher, pretty respectable. So I think that uh, he's a name that people don't really throw around a lot. But as I looked, you know, comparing him again, this fourth spot, you can kind of move people in and out of it. There's a lot of options, but um, that's where I'm going. Um, I've got Wilson Contreras three. We've kind of already talked about him in our Nats bat segment and you both talked about him. So not much more to say there and uh, boring top two. Yes, Monty Grandal and JT Real Muto for all the aforementioned reasons. And it's just obvious JT Real Muto is head and shoulders above any of the competition. Yep, absolutely. All right. So, DH. Amanda, get bringing us home on the DH. All right. I've got John Carlos Stanton, whose contract obviously is completely crippling the Yankees, but when he's right, that man just hits bombs. And uh, he's 31 now, so you worry kind of for the inevitable regression. Although I can't believe he's only 31. It seems like he's been around forever already. Fun story about him. Uh, like I was trying to throw out hypothetical trades on uh, the Half Street High account. Uh-huh. And I thought Stanton had like four years, five years left. Dude has like nine years left on that contract still. <laughs> I think they still owe him over $200 million. It's I, I was like, holy hell. Yeah, ain't nobody trading for that albatross of a contract. There's no chance. Uh, number three, I've got Jordan Alvarez in Houston, who is the youngest on my list. He's only 23 years old, obviously coming off of uh, surgery on both knees, so that's a question mark. But the kid in 2019 was just unbelievable. So I think he's gonna be, I think he's gonna be really, really good this year. He's primed for a huge season, and uh, I don't know. I think they need him too because Houston. You know, obviously George Springer's gone, assuming they don't re-sign him, and they really need him to be a big part of their lineup. So I expect big things from that young man. Um, Number two, J.D. Martinez. Um, You know, he struggled in 2020, obviously. He only hit, I think, seven homers. I looked at it earlier and then didn't leave the window up. But, um, you know, even you just expect so much more from him. But he was one of those guys that just really never seemed to get it together in the 2020 season, but I, I don't know. This is one of those I'm going to use the, it fits when I want it to, and it doesn't when I don't, but I expect mm-hmm. him to be back to himself, you know, coming up in this year. And then for my number one, I've got Nelson Cruz, who is looking for reportedly a two-year deal from what I read, but says that he's not going to sign until he figures out for sure about the universal DH. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Twins, I don't know. With no DH in the National League, I can't imagine him having a lot of suitors. So I expect he's just going to go back to the Twins. But if I were them and he doesn't have a lot of options, I would give him a two-year deal. I'd probably only give him a one-year deal. But he hit over 300 last year. So we'll see. Or it was 300, 308 between, let me see if I pull it back up. 2019 and 2020 combined, he slashed 308, 394, 626. With 57 home runs. I mean, what's more? What I would like to set? have it. Right. I, I would, like to, have I would it. like to have it. So that's my number one. Fair point, right? Yeah, so I'll get started. Uh, my number four, kind of similar, but a little different. Um, number four, I have Jordan Alvarez. 
He's young. He's played one season's career. He got hurt this year and only played two games, but his one year for the Astros in 2019, he did hit 27 home runs. He had OPS over one, which is absolutely stupid. It was 87 games. It was a very impressive 87 games. It's hard to you know say who's exactly a DH just because how teams use him now, but Alvarez is basically DH, so I have him at number four. Number three, I have the great, the great man himself, Luke Voigt. Um, I don't think I'm in my top four first baseman, so I'm going to put my DH. Um, he led the league this year with 22 home runs, and then 2019 was his coming out party with 21 in 118 games. Um, Luke Voigt is fantastic at both positions, but since I didn't have that first, I'm at DH. Number two, I have the ageless wonder, Nelson Cruz. Since 2014, he's hit at least 37 home runs in each of those years, including 40 and four of them. Um, he has a career 880 OPS. The man continually has OPS over 900. He also hits mad doubles, at least 27 in all those years. The man can just straight up hit. And then my number one is J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez is probably like the least talked about great hitter in baseball. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. He's played in the league 10 years and at least six of those years, he had OPS well over nine. He's had OPS over one and three of those years. He's had OPS over 930 twice as well. It's like the man just can freaking rake. Um, he had 45 home runs in 2017. He hit 43 in 2018 with 130 RBIs, was a big reason why the Red Sox won World Series, and followed up with 36 home runs and 105 RBIs. He's an absolute threat. He was a DH who finished top four in um, MVP voting. He has numerous silver sluggers as well. The homie can freaking hit. And that's why I have him as my number one. And I was really hoping he was going to opt out because I would love for him to hit behind Juan Soto. Because that big boy would be fantastic to watch, but it'll never happen. Yep, unfortunately not, but life goes on, and the Nats still don't sign position players. Um, number four for me, I have Jordan Alvarez. Uh, I think after this year, he will be vying for that number one spot. Um, I, like, we've seen with the Nats, they let Bryce go because they had Soto, they had let Rendon go, presumably, because they still had Soto. Um, I think the Astros are feeling okay about their chances because they still have a good pitching staff in place, but they are okay losing someone like George Springer because they have Jordan Alvarez. So they have high hopes for the kid. We saw it on display um, for the second half of the 2019 season. It was electric. He hit one of the farthest home runs I've ever seen. Um, and I think, you know, presume presuming he can get back from uh, like his injuries. I think he'll be fine. Uh, number three, I have John Carlos Stanton. Uh, I'm hanging on to what could be with him and I'm not going to accept what is. He's just an injury prone monster of an athlete right now. Um, and that's probably what he's going to be as he gets even older than he already is. But like Amanda said, when he's healthy, I mean, dude has an MVP season not too long ago and is capable of putting up 60 home runs, not not just 50, not just 40, 60, um, if he's able to put a whole season together. So I'm hoping we get to see that again because he is fun to watch. Um, number two, I have Nelson Cruz. Um, definitely, you know, the bet if you combine 2019-2020 like Amanda did, 
uh, probably the best DH, but he is getting out there. He's already over 40. Um, I would love to see him continue playing. Um, one of the many great benefits of having a DH in our great game. Um, but dude is the ageless wonder. He defies all logic. Um, you know, like what's a drop off to this guy? Uh, he just continues mashing and I'm here for it as long as he can do it. And number one is JD Martinez. I, I don't think there's much else that needs to be said. Um, Ryan put it perfectly. He's one of the most underrated best hitters in baseball. Um, but dude just performs in and out all the time. Um, and I, I don't think 2020 is an indicator of what's to come for him. Um, but I will say little honorable mentions. Uh, I had Luke Boyd in my first base, and so I didn't include him in DH. But I I think Shohei Otani is, um, needs to be in consideration for a top DH in baseball because everyone talks about, you know, what he was supposed to bring as a pitcher, and he also hits. And I think the, um, you know, stigma or whatever around a two-way player is they're really good at one and not the other and people hyped up Otani's pitching so much that I think his hitting is actually pretty underrated the dude hits for pop he has 40 home run capability but also hits like above 280 like dude is a legitimate threat both on the mound and at the plate we just hope you know his Tommy John or whatever it is gets sorted out so we can see him do both but even if he's relegated to a DH dude is still going to be a problem. So I just wanted to throw that honorable mention out there. I like it. I like yeah. it. So we all had pretty much the same dudes. Yeah. I mean, these positions are so thin. Um, next week in our Manscaped poll of the week, we will have the starting pitchers and relievers. There should be some parody in this as both positions are rather deep. Um, and these will go out this week. And as always vote for everyone, but Manda, um so our lovely lovely streak can continue uh your streak's been broken um well i actually didn't count that so (laughs) Uh, i I, you know i reject your reality and substitute my own because every every you know week or every day is the same to me i forgot to tweet out the outfield poll so i will do that tomorrow and then catcher and dh will follow okay Sounds good. All right. Well, we are going to do something fun. We haven't done it in a while. We got fair or foul this week. Yes. So in case you guys haven't heard before, um, fair or foul is a recurring segment we do on here. I'm going to read six statements to Nick and Amanda. If they agree with it, they'll say fair. If they disagree with it, they will say foul with a quick one or two sentence explanation. Why? It's pretty fun. Um, we do three about the Nationals, and we do three about the state of baseball or all of baseball together, and it usually leads to some pretty good conversation. You guys ready? Ready. Born ready. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me get my uh, game show voice on. <laughs> Fair or foul, the Nationals are closer to the Marlins than they are the Braves. Fair. Oh. I mean – it's fair. fact of the matter is Marlins were a playoff team last That's year. What I, yeah, exactly. I mean, the so, Marlins saying that they're closer to the Marlins isn't as insulting right now as, as it, it used to be. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they're definitely not close to the Braves. So I'll go fair on that. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Quick and easy. Fair or foul. We kind of talked about this a little bit, but signing column A would be a bad use of resources. Fair. Yeah, I uh, I agree. But if you know, if Hudson was hurt or you know, 
whatever and we didn't have faith in Harris, I don't think it would be as bad. But, you know, like we talked about, Colome is going to demand a big contract. And if you're not using that on the lefty reliever, it it's not a waste, but it's, you know, a bad um, allocation of resources, I guess. Now, that's to say I wouldn't like hate it if they did it, but. Right. Of course, who would hate to have column A in your bullpen? But I do feel like that's a luxury for a team that isn't riddled with holes the way the Nats are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right on. Um, So our third question, fair or foul? Jackson Rutledge will be a key part in the rotation this year. Mm, Foul. I don't see him being up with the club in any way that's like a key part of the rotation. If he is, then... (laughs) <laughs> things have gone terribly off the rails because our I starting pitching say, situation was the mess. There are a lot of people in the Nationals organization who expect Rutledge to be in the rotation this season. So wow. I'm going to say fair. Uh, I define key part in this rotation as pitching over 100 innings, which I don't know if this is hot take or bold prediction. I think Jackson both Rutledge, and I love it. Jackson Rutledge gets over 100 innings this year. All right. Well, I'd like to see it. Even if he he has a five ERA, I I still think, you know, based on the volume, uh, he's going to be a key part. All right. I absolutely love it. We had a hot take there in fair or foul. I love, I love hot takes. Sorry. All right, moving (laughs) on. So now these next three are going to be about. You love controversy. That's why. I love controversy. It just, it follows me everywhere I go. All right. So these next three are going to be about all of baseball. The first one. <clears throat> fair or fair or foul the san diego padres will not live up to the hype for reference and will be have them at number two on their first power rankings for 2021 this is fair i think they're going to be much improved but i don't think they're going to be that much improved uh i mean the hype right now is that they are on the dodgers level so if right. that's and the I just hype, don't buy that. if that's the hype then it's foul they're not the Dodgers. You're not you're not going to be the Dodgers unless you do it for five seasons and choke a little bit along the way. Uh, I mean, you're just because you sign all these guys and trade for all these guys doesn't make you any better than anyone else. You still have to go out there and do it. We've seen just the Padres, you know, a few years ago try to go all in and fix it in one offseason, and they failed gloriously. I don't even think they had a winning record. So, you know, just because you make all the right moves on paper doesn't mean it's, you know, the yeah. right outcome on the field. You got to so. show, yeah, you got to show it, not just, yeah. yeah. I don't think they live up to the hype, but the hype is, is insane. So I don't think they can live up to the hype. Yeah, I mean, anytime a team is the winner of the offseason, have the hype, they don't live up to it. The Browns saw it. They had all the hype. Off-season champions. They were terrible. (laughs) And then the year the Browns didn't have any of the hype, they went to the playoffs. Oh, the poor Browns, man. Think about it, man. Yeah, now their entire team has COVID. (laughs) They had their head coach. (laughs) They finally get to a damn playoff game, and the coach has COVID. Woof. All right. (laughs) It's just because they're in Ohio, and Ohio's not real. And my my dad grew up in Cleveland, so he was a Browns fan growing up. And then I'm so sorry. Redskins fan too well, since he lived here forever but uh, yeah so I'm like kind of have a soft spot for the Browns a little bit because he was my they were my dad's team and uh, yeah that's that's brutal yeah at least they're there 
0-16 to the playoffs. All right, moving on. Um, fair or foul, at least two of the top 10 free agents will be unsigned when pitchers and catchers report. The first pitchers and catchers report on February 15th. Fair on this for me. I think it might even be more than two. The offseason is moving at a glacial pace. And, uh, you know, we always say that when the dominoes fall, then everybody else starts signing deals. But it's crazy to see. I mean, we've seen in the past where guys don't sign because they're holding out for what they want. So I guess we'll see what happens. But I call this one fair. Um, So if you look at the top 10 free agents, it's Bauer, Real Muto, Springer, Ozuna, LeMahieu, Stroman. Oh, I guess Stroman signed. Um, let's see who has Didi, Gosman. I'm going off MLB trade rumors, by the way. Gosman accepts the qualifying offer. Tanaka. Oh, yeah, it's fair. I mean, just at the rate we're going, it's going to be a slow process. And I can see someone like Bauer just holding out and holding out and holding out because he's asking for 30 to 40 million right now. Well, reportedly, he was quick to debunk that rumor. I, I can't stand him anymore. Yeah, his, his act is a little old. It's it, a little tired at yeah. this point. Like, dude, God, it was funny at the beginning, but mm-hmm. it, like, out, you, you played it out, man. Right, I agree. He's trying to do like the MLB's version of the decision, but he's Bauer. Like, you're, you're a no one. You're not even a top <laughs> five pitcher. Like, relax, dude. And your whole act's tired. You're an absolute douchebag, and I'm tired of it. And, like, they're, they're attacking reporters for doing their jobs, who, by the way, are getting their information from owners who are having these conversations with them. And they're like, you're not even going to come to us for our point of view and, like, talk to us, blah, blah, blah. Mm, he gets his information from the owners and GM. So it's like he kind of did. Like, just stop being a douche. Yeah, well, signs point to that not happening. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it'll be more than two. So, yeah. Um, and then All right. Our last question for fair or foul. Fair or foul. More interesting off-seasons would help with the attendance issues that Major League Baseball experiences in April. Fair. I mean, I don't think that's even a stretch. If you look to football, right, you know, even if they have a boring off-season, and football is usually notorious for having a boring trade deadline too, but even if they have a boring off-season and there's not big names, there's not a bunch of quarterbacks, like the the sexy, like, Free agents in football are quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and maybe, you know, a defensive guy if he's, like, one of the top, top-tier guys. But you don't always get that in every single offseason. But you look at the NFL draft, and that saves everything. Look at Washington fans. They After last season, there was no reason to be optimistic about the team. Insert Chase Young, number two overall pick in the draft, and people are extremely hyped going into, you know, the this season that just played out. You know, Bengals, same thing. No reason to be hyped. Insert franchise quarterback. You know, you go to the NBA, uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie just teamed up. You know, uh, AD and LeBron. Like, all this stuff that happens in the offseason builds hype. And then once the season finally starts, you can kind of see it play out. But in baseball, there's nothing like that. I mean, even when, you know, Bryson Machado signed, I mean, those are two top, you know, best guys ever hit the market if you factor in their age and, and production and all that. Like, there, there was nothing that came out of that. I mean, they didn't sign in the biggest of locations, but still nothing came from that. So, you know, there's no hype building in the offseason, and it's almost like 
baseball's withering away from the months of November to March. And then they have to fight just to get back to where they were, you know, and by the time they do, the season's over again. And it's just doing it all over. Yeah. I mean, those are interesting. Those are good points. I don't know. I'm going to, I guess I'm going to go foul on this just because I don't, I don't know what they could do to make the off seasons more interesting in particular, like even big free agent signings don't seem to have any impact. You know, it's just hard to get high. It doesn't matter if they don't market no, the, the game. Well, I agree also... with that, but I think it's more of a, a the fact that this is a 162-game season. It's a lot easier to get hyped up for every game and be interested from jump when every game is so consequential. Other than opening day, most people don't really care that much about April games. Like, it's the beginning of the season. They don't really matter that much. I think it's more of an endemic thing to but at, baseball. at the same time... Also, uh, I was just going to say, like with the Padres, look how much buzz they created by themselves. And none of the guys they got were, you know, even top 10 guys at their position. Yeah, and no, they, they do a great job of marketing. so much buzz. No, but they, but they didn't even that market. Buzz... That's my thing, that it died off after like a day or two. Like, well, right, but that's what I'm saying, but will that, no matter what the teams do or what the, like, will there, is there anything that they could do to make it interesting enough to impact? Yes, market the, their players. Well, it's not even And actually marketing. make moves, which was what the question was asking. Exactly. So, like, you, there's, baseball needs to completely overhaul a lot because they become completely irrelevant in the offseason to the point that people who are even fans of the game do not pay attention to the offseason. They're like, oh, has anything even happened? Just randomly checking in. The NFL is king because they stay relevant every single month. Oh, yeah. They've made – like, they never now – they never used to put the freaking combine on TV and, the like, the way they do their draft and the whole thing. It's yeah. like – And it gets yeah. people engaged and they care. And it gets people hyped to start the season. You look at the NBA. NBA's free agency is absolutely wild. Their players are out there recruiting people on Instagram and stuff, and it gets the fans excited. They have baseball, summer league on TV too. Yeah, baseball's dormant the entire offseason. There's absolutely and nothing. And it's also the fact that the, the white people complaining. But the and also the way it is, the owners don't. There's not a lot of big fast signings when things pop off. It's always this long drawn out slow kind of one piece of news here one piece of news there sort of because thing. because there's no but, incentive. but that's what we're saying yeah that's literally the, the question you know being asked if basically the question is you know instead of more interesting off seasons if people signed at a you know faster rate that would help attendance issues and the answer is absolutely fair so you think if they had a they had let's say you had to sign within two months of the end of the season. That was the agent, the free agency period. And then you well, had to I be don't know. I think that hurts the players because the owners can just hold out to the last week of that window. And, but let's uh, even say theoretically that there was something like that, whether you would think that's a good thing or a bad thing, but then theory, if that happens, then you have all these months where nothing at all is happening because all of the free agency stuff has already happened in the first couple of months. And then you have three, four months of complete nothingness until the season no, starts. All right. Again. So my opinion on that, in you know, if the owners were good people for once in their life and didn't use that against the players, in theory, I think it would help because what's the, you know, when's the time that baseball's on its biggest stage? Obviously the World Series in late October in, you know, at that point, football is kicking off, yes, but you don't have the other sports really. Their seasons are just starting. So baseball gets off to a slow start in April. Those sports kind of get off to a slow start as well. They don't really pick up until, you know, December, January, you know, Christmas time, like we're in right now. So if you create a, a free agency window, you can build off that hype 
and use it and put it to good use, right? You have all this hype from the World Series, like this past World Series was phenomenal ratings and the NLCS, if I'm not mistaken, phenomenal ratings. Yeah, Game 7 was. Yeah, so rather than, you know, just letting the season end without anything happening after that, why not incentivize your top free agents and your teams looking to make moves to do something right away to help build that hype, to build on that momentum. Because like I said before, you know, once baseball essentially lets itself wither and die in the offseason because it's so slow. And then they have to fight, you know, April, May, June, July even to get back to, you know, really get people invested again. And it's no surprise those months that they're fighting are when no other sports are going on. So there is no competition and they still have to fight. Like they're working against themselves right now. Why not use that momentum and have your top name free agents, you know, moving around and people are still paying attention to baseball because they were invested the whole postseason. So now they're still invested. They don't have to get reinvested. And then, you know, each off is going to have like time where nothing happens. That's just the way sports go, but at least you have, you get to a higher point in your momentum and your interest than you would normally. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good point. It's an interesting question. I guess theoretically, if you could completely change everything about how baseball present, you know, presents yeah, itself, it's contingent on the owners and the owners are just all about making a buck here and there. So, you know, yeah, it's I just all in theory anyways. Happen. Yeah. I don't see it happening. All right, we got one question this week, and it's well, a special. Speaking one. of speaking of off season, I just want to say that Trevor Bauer's agent just posted this novel on Twitter about updates on his free agency, and it was basically plugging his YouTube channel about how he's going to have a different and unique off season. So subscribe to his YouTube channel. Just just throwing out there about everything else. Well, you got Trevor you keep Bauer. saying you want everybody to market themselves better. So the man's I respect is- that. It's just like his act in particular is tiresome. And all the right. other things he's done on the field. Like, come on, bro. Like, yeah, I'm I got to say, though, but we do always talk about how we wish the players would be more invested in building a brand and marketing themselves. So I think the way you do that, though. Oh, well, like, this guy's just an ass, but my right. point no, is I, he's, I, he's yeah, trying. That, that's his brand. <laughs> Agree. But I, I respect the, you know, the effort. I think the way you do that is utilize social media and just be more active. You know, be engaging with fans, go live, like, yeah, be more genuine. It's this, this act that he's got that's so, that's so tired. Ryan and I were talking about it before. Like we both think the Nats outside of Juan Soto are are an extremely boring team. And, you know, Juan Soto brings some much needed life to this team, but baseball is like that in general. It's like, you just crave to see a personality from your favorite player and so much, uh, of like the top tier guys don't you know i'm sure they have personalities i'm sure they're fun guys in the locker room but we don't see that that's what we want to see that's why people love watching you know trash tv or reading you know the gossip magazines and the checkout line at the grocery store they like seeing these people that they idolize for one reason or another granted or not or like you know whether it's uh i can't remember like whether they should or not they like seeing these people that they idolize because they have a personality. They like knowing what they're up to. It's the same thing with sports. You want to see your top guys like, you know, drinking a beer while grilling. Like 
I can't explain why that that's fun to just watch someone else drink a beer and grill like a victory brisket, like Justin Herbert does. But for some reason that that's just fun. That's a personality. You just like a dude and we can relate to them in that way. Just but guys being dudes. Right. But so many baseball guys for whatever reason, and I'm not even saying it has to be all of them, but like, it's none of them. None of them show an, an ounce of, you know, personality. I think it's a lot of the fact that that was kind of the way you're taught in baseball. You put your head down and you respect the game. And but you blah, even blah, blah, like, like my, my counter that to that to is, yes. yes, that absolutely needs to go. But my counter to that is golf. Golf's definitely, you know, if you go to the historical, this is the way the game was played, has always been the most stuffy and, you know, traditional and all this stuff. And even golf is transitioning to a but more fun, rowdy, not at the rate that it should, though. And that's my point. You can well, say baseball is changing, but it's a lot of the same, you know, and we've been talking, we've been doing this podcast for, you know, entering year three month. now. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're about to enter year three and we're still talking about this. It's not really changing all that much. I think it is. I mean, I don't think it's changing like with great rapidity, but it is changing. You're seeing more guys every year. Well, I can say that about anything. I'm yeah. changing. There, yeah, I'm, getting, I'm two seconds older now. Change. We're all getting older. You're like, a married man now. Lots right, of things but That's changed. what I'm saying. Like you can say, you know, every, anything's changing. You know, if a player switches teams, well, baseball change, baseball's changed. Well, you can technically you know make that saying. argument. There's a lot more guys who it's are not a change that you see and have personality on the field. There are more of those guys every year. I, I disagree with that. I, I just think, you know, we choose to notice it because, oh, you know, all these other, like, topics are coming out. Because of social media, like, we're just more aware of it. It's like, you know, terrible uh, – preface this by saying it's a terrible example but it's like you know all these horrible videos and crimes we see yeah it's not like they just started happening they've always been going on you can apply that same logic to baseball there's always been you know those outliers on teams that do bat flips and like curse out the other team and all this stuff it's just we have more access to the game now so we see it more so we think it is changing but really this is the way it's always been. You have a few outliers, but the general way the game is played is very stuffy, and it, it's not changing at the rate people think it is. Oh, I disagree with that. I think you're seeing less people getting thrown at the when they, they look at somebody wrong. I, you're seeing less of it. It's not going to happen overnight. There's a lot of old guard in the baseball world. I don't that, think that's true at all. People were literally throwing at the Astros just last year. Yeah. Oh, I know. Well, the Astros deserve it, but. But that's what I'm, I'm saying. saying. You're saying, you know, people are doing less that's of that. That's a joke. When no, really they are people, doing less of people it. People are doing it like, The Astros, though, is totally – yes, that to me is a completely different but thing. I'm talking about like a guy who – in your argument that to say the game is changing when literally – Yes, I the, can. No, oh, my God. Yes, I can. What I'm saying is the Astros thing is they're pissed at them for cheating. I'm saying if a guy stares at his But that's how the, the game has always been policed, and you're saying it's changing. People aren't doing that anymore. When just in that's fact, not at all what I said. I said they're doing it less. Said, I didn't say they're not doing it anymore. I you did said not they're say doing that. it less, but we yes. just got an example just this past season of people doing it, and it's not just like two teams with a rivalry. It's in a like a large amount of teams. It's a statistically significant amount of teams doing it. Yes. Clearly, it's not changing. That's my point. Yeah, well, I think you're wrong. Well, so, I know you're wrong. That's a, the difference. Da, 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 da. <laughs> All right. Let's hear your question from your grandpa. 
I think I I think we lost Nick, or maybe he's like just calming down from that. <laughs> I'm calming down. It's just <laughs> I know you're wrong. No, but apparently you can just say whatever you want. You can just say whatever you want and say no, I disagree. You're wrong. Even though I, I laid out facts. I back. said you just I said think I was you're wrong. wrong. Nick, I said I think you're wrong, and you said, well, I know you're wrong. So you're because doing you exactly are. You haven't laid out a single fact. You've laid out opinion. You're like I don't think. That's oh, not right, a fact. That's not right. a fact. What oh, would you like to bring facts about how often people throw at each other and give statistics? Well, it would be a nice change for your argument because you don't bring a fact for any single thing you argue. It's all opinion. Okay. Well, my opinion is that the game is changing, and your opinion is that it's not, and I think you're wrong. So I don't understand what you're so upset about. I think the game is changing. Not as quickly as any of us would like to see it change, but it's not going to change overnight. There's a lot of people who don't want to see it change, and a lot of those people are still in the game. But as the years go and, by, those know, people are going to be out of the problem. game. That's the problem right, with the but game. But those people are going to be But again, out of that's the my game. point. Those people are still in the game, so they're preventing the game from changing. Got it. All right. So my question for my grandpa, and I think oh, he's oh, just oh, really I just bored. I want to say one thing. I just want to say one thing. What's up? I feel like I just witnessed how every single argument with Amanda's kids goes. Like, she's so well-tuned for this because she has, like, 12 kids that this is just another fight with one of her kids. And it was very, very entertaining to listen to. Well, good. Hopefully the people listening found it as entertaining as you did. We need, we need more arguments on this podcast. I'm all for it. Next week, Nick <laughs> and I are going to argue over who's the cu- cutest between us. Well, oh, that, that's well, you. We'll all be that's looking for it. Oh, damn. Now we are going to fight. <laughs> Listen to this argument now. Oh, my goodness. Um, all right. So a question from my grandpa, and I think he's really bored because this is like a deep dive in an article by someone I've never heard of before. Um, but basically his question was, is the dropped third strike rule the dumbest rule in baseball? Oh, my God. He's the fact so right. that you can yeah. swing and a miss at the most terrible pitch known to man. But if the catcher can't handle it, you can run to first and be safe. To quote Max Scherzer, if you're so bad that you swing at a pitch that the catcher couldn't catch, you should not get first base. Right. That is such a – that's a perfect way to describe it. It is the stupidest rule. Although I I think Greg Maddox said something similar to that too. It, it just it, it's one, it doesn't happen all that often. So, like, you know, we, we don't really talk about it. But I thought about it. I was like, yeah, that, that, that rule is so dumb. How like, long has that rule been around? For forever. Like I'm looking at the article and it you know, the first year I see mentioned is like eighteen fifty six. So I'm like, uh <laughs> um, but like, you know, it, it's cool. I think AJ Burnett's like the last guy to have four strikeouts in an inning. And that that's like cool, but it never should have happened. Yeah. Like it's just it a dumb rule. Justin Verlander's three thousand strikeout came on a drop third strike and the guy got first and later scored. <laughs> like, how, <laughs> like that that's what the article was centered around and i'm like that's well, awesome th- that's a dumb rule like why why haven't we talked about this before does the article go into what why the rule came into like you said in yeah the i'll send like, it to you yeah i'd love to read that you should tweet it out from the from the show account too apparently yeah, that is... in the atlantic league uh so like the blue crabs play in that league uh for any of you that that follow they toyed with a rule that on any dropped pitch, a runner could advance. Like you wouldn't even have to steal. Oh. So a guy on first catcher just drops it. Or if it's a pass ball, the guy on first automatically gets second. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. Th- that would drive me insane because then yeah. you're, 
I don't believe then people you're not should get see free the, the you know the dirty change-ups in the dirt and stuff like that so yeah yeah I wouldn't like that at all yeah exactly because you want to sometimes the in the dirt is intentional if the if the catcher can't handle it people shouldn't be getting free bases for that yeah yeah well that's an interesting question I think he's right that might be the stupidest pitch or stupidest rule in baseball agree I'll read the article all right you guys got any big things to take us out this evening uh just my love for ryan oh that is a big thing it is <laughs> yes indeed my big thing Diana. is our <laughs> washington football team is the nfc east champs saturday night big game yeah i mean the, the did eagles, you guys watch the game yeah. on sunday yeah, the eagles, <laughs> was, those eagles really game. tried about that them. was so embarrassing I, I tweeted something out right after i was like i have i couldn't imagine it could be this embarrassing and unpleasant to watch your team win the division and the football team still <laughs> barely won and the eagles were literally oh the eagles were trying to throw so hard they to get to them the and guy they, just they benched their franchise quarterback for yeah like and then I heard today on, a, on the crucial, radio. a crucial play, they uh, oh just happened to get neutral zone infraction to give the football team a first down. Just yeah, just so great. happened. Just so happened. No, I, I heard today that um, two of the Eagles players in the locker room after like had to be physically restrained from going after their own head coach because they were so pissed off. Yeah, so I, was I like, don't blame so, I, I imagine, and I have no idea, but I keep thinking that maybe this directive to make sure you lose this game came from on high and Doug Peterson was just doing what he was told. But he may have lost the locker room over that because his players seem to hate his guts now. Yeah. Like lost all respect from his own team. So interesting and embarrassing. My sister's husband is the diehardest Giants fan you've ever met in your life, and I thought he was going to have an aneurysm. I was ch yeah, chatting like, with him via yeah. text message, and he was not doing well. <laughs> watching that, like, watching football team fans act like they're going up against, like, a freaking juggernaut trying to get division. <laughs> like, you're going up against a four-win team who's starting ever since, who sat every single relevant player. Like and you still couldn't beat them until they sat their, their barely, players they did play. Yeah, so Barely bad. put up 20 points on them. Right. But then like Giants players were losing their mind, which I get. Like it was annoying for national television that they were very clearly trying to lose. And like you could tell the commentators were also, but win more than six games. Like, right. Exactly. Win. I do have no like, yeah. How about winning more than six games? You are not entitled to a playoff berth when you won six games. Settle down. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, it was weird and embarrassing. And uh, on the other hand, I do think it, it one small caveat is in the defense of the Washington football team. They do have a one-legged quarterback who can't move at all. So it does make it hard to win games when all they have to, like there's, he can't throw it longer than seven yards. So it was, uh, it was ugly. I am very, very curious to see if we get Heineke or Smith on Saturday. Uh, it don't matter. Bucks well, we're going to lose regardless. I think maybe by more than that, but I think I, yeah, I, I think actually so. I don't think Washington score more than like seventeen. Well, well I, I I hammered the the Bucks by seven and a half because that's what it opened at, and I think I single handedly raised that line because I put so much money down. <laughs> nice, well done. I think we're going to see Heineke. I don't know if he'll start, but I think even if Alex Smith starts, it's, it's there ain't no way he's making it through. Yeah, so Three it'll be fun to watch at least. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a whole different big thing. We won't get into the Haskins thing since this is not, in fact, a football podcast. But anyway, we'll have a Washington playoff game to talk about when we talk next week.
All right. Ryan, you guys got anything, anything else? Um, baseball needs completely overhaul off season. Give me a salary cap and a salary floor. Other sports do it and they have very good parity. Um, they also have very fun off seasons. Owners realize that they can do absolutely nothing and shed payroll and they won't be harmed for it because they're going to continue doing getting money. Something needs to get done. Like you have a sport where, you know, your your ratings are indeed down. Ratings are down everywhere, so you can kind of look into how you want, but also attendance was down for every year for eight straight years before this. You got to do something to address that half the league can be eliminated from playoff contention on opening day. You need to work something out. Will they? No, because um, Manfred's, you know, convinced that pace of play is the reason why. It's not. There's nothing wrong with it. Congratulations, Rob Manfred. You saved a minute on each game over the year. You need to fix the offseason um, and also market. But I think offseason is a really big issue also. And that's my one big thing. Yep. Salary floor is the way to go. Great idea. Yeah. I like the salary floor idea better than the salary cap idea. But I guess you can't have one without the other. There essentially is like a soft salary cap right now with the yeah. luxury tax. Like, yeah, you can go over and you'll be penalized. But, but that's effectively but what a salary cap be, is. Be, yeah. The salary floor would be an amazing idea because that would that would eliminate a lot of the teams that just refuse to spend. There, and there's no numbers. reason teams shouldn't be spending at least 80 million. There's just no reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you set a floor, obviously you can eliminate the teams that won't. I don't even know where you'd put the floor, but without a hard salary cap, you're still going to have teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers that'll just spend stupid money. And Right. But it, again, like it'll, you know, Ryan and I use this word a lot today, you know, better the parity um amongst baseball because right now you have teams actively not trying the rays you know in all their success had a, what a 37 million dollar payroll this year That's imagine so if That's they had so crazy. imagine if they had paid up gotten to even 70 million you know so 33 million worth of free agent acquisitions you don't think they could have at least pushed the dodgers to seven possibly even won the world series i think they could have won exactly exactly just doesn't make any sense all right well anything else before we get out of here nope i'm ready to get out of here ready to get out of here. i'm gonna go watch the gold medal usa canada hockey world juniors game in 10 minutes got my evening planned out all right thank you guys for listening as always um hit us up on twitter at a white 7877 for me at dc natchak for ryan at half shack cat for nick at One Pursuit Takes for OPT. You guys all know him on there, I'm sure. Amante, you can find at MDT8675309, which I can now remember. And the show at Half Street High Heat, and that is where Nick will tweet out the um, polls from last weekend this week. So you guys yes, can sir. vote. All right, have a good night, guys. Talk to you next week. Later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later Let's go Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go
By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not wanna look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.